0: hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. of having a wonderful guest couple in with us. And, you know, when it comes to ministry couples, uh, they just don't get more accomplished than this couple right here. And and when it comes uh, with ministry couples, there's multiple things that you can respect about uh, couples, but the the things that they've done, but then also uh, who they are. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the things that they've done uh, the Lowe's have built up a church in, in Monroe West Monroe area that over 30 years 30 something years 30 odd years I, I don't I don't know how many years it is but now uh, but they built an amazing church where thousands and thousands of people have come to Jesus thousands and thousands of people have been baptized and they've so much so that they've they they couldn't contain it all in one house they've launched other uh, other campuses 45 minutes away this way 20 30 minutes away this way they have three three campuses now where thousands of people are being reached every week because of their leadership. They have seen longevity in ministry and they've done it right. And then that's what they've done, but who they are is probably more important to me. Uh, it, it's just, they are wonderful leaders. They're wonderful people, people, if that makes sense, right? They are people, people. You'll know when you get around them. They don't know you. They're going to reach out and they're going to hug you and they're going to say, hey, what's your name? They're going to hug first and then ask the name later, right? Uh, They they are great pastors. There are hundreds of ministers that looked up, look up to them uh, on a continual basis for leadership, for guidance, for counsel, and uh, and so the Lowe's are actually bishops in the organization that I am licensed with, Destiny, and so I, we even look up to them for incredible wisdom. We, we took them out to dinner, and they thought they were just going to be hanging out and having dinner, and I had a list of like 15 questions. I was like, feed us, help us. Come on now, we're not going to waste the dinner, we're going to, well, let's talk, right? We're going to grow, but we are absolutely honored to have this great man and woman of God here with us to preach the word today. Can we stand up on our feet and let's honor Pastor Tom and Trina Lowe as Pastor Tom comes to preach the word. Thank you. I love you.
1: Love you too, man. Hey, thank you so much. God bless you. You be seated. Everybody but Trina. Stand up, Trina. I want these people to see how smart I am. I said in the early service, it gives me instant credibility, right? Right here. My bride of the bride of my youth. I was 18 years old when she agreed to marry me. She was a ripe old age of 19, and we've been married this past November, 45 years. And I thank God for that. 45 years. Has it all been easy? Not on your life. But we are still in love and still doing ministry together, and thank God. Man, what a church. What a great, great day. Uh, yesterday and today and all the teams that pulled together. I just there, there's some folks that are, are worshiping one and serving one and and um, I went back to the kids ministry and looked in and saw some people that were in the first service worshiping and they're back there ministering to children in the second service. I thought that's, that's so commendable and so such a, a great 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 uh, part of this church your heart to serve and to serve your community thank you Pastor Michael and uh, Carmen Scoby hey let's give it up for our pastors right now thank God for our leadership in the house uh, he was talking about uh, training me and I, I was reminded about a story I told about years ago about a family lost their dad, and so they're eulogizing this man. The pastor goes on and on and on and on and on about what a great man he was, and the kid, his son, on nine years old, hops up off the front seat, runs over looks in the coffin, and he comes back, sits by his mom. She said, what are you doing, son? I just want to see if there's our daddy in there. He had it all confused, going, I didn't know he was that good, right? Uh, we're thrilled to be here, thrilled to be a part of the service today, and uh, real people with a real passion to live vibrant, life in jesus and um i'm so grateful to be a part of this weekend and thank you for the honor of inviting us to be a part and to speak in your pulpit today mark chapter 5 we'll look at that in just a minute uh what an amazing reconnect marriage weekend tons of fun tons, tons of inspiration and i want to tell you you ought to sign up next year make sure you're part of that we have kids we have grandkids we have two a son and a daughter and then we have each of them have children a boy and a girl. And our oldest son is, our oldest grandson's 18. He's a, he's in college, and our oldest granddaughter is 17, still in high school. And then we have a couple of smaller ones that came along later, 9 or 10 and 9. I've always tried to go to their, uh, you know, their school functions if they were putting on a Thanksgiving deal or a Christmas thing or whatever it is. We try to show up as most grandparents do. And we've seen what happens there. And I remember one time distinctly there were three little kids were standing around a mic in a semicircle, and they were going to sing a song at a Christmas thing. And uh, right, right just as the song got started, this one kid in the middle just stepped out and grabbed the mic and just started eating that mic, man. She was given a solo. These other two kids back here just wondering, what, what are we supposed to do? I mean, good grief, finally, the teacher comes and resets and, you know, drag the little kid back. And all, all through the program, the teacher was shuffling kids around. I I love it to watch the growth in our kids and grandkids and see how they're growing up and uh, how they're maturing. Uh, You know, the Lord loves it when we grow up. The Lord loves it when we mature, when we progress in our faith. And sometimes he too has to move us into our spot. Sometimes he has to shuffle us around a little bit. Well, you fit better over here, come be a part of this. or do. do, But but when we're willing and, and uh, and not abrasive to the Lord's hand in our life, then we're able to like sl- slide on glides on skids, just move right into where God wants us to to serve and to be a part of it. I'm thankful for this vibrant church family. There are tons of people. I, I was in the uh, the serve team meeting early this morning, and just. Um, Uh, Just a a throng of people there celebrating the goodness of God, ready to serve, ready to let's go. Let's leave. How about this worship team, y'all? You guys are blessed, blessed, blessed. Thank you all for serving everybody who has a part to make this service. Happen all the way from tech teams to the to the least uh, person in the, in the children's department, somebody making coffee. Find your place and be a part and serve. So the Lord loves it when we pass the test and we're motivated to the next thing in life and faith. And sometimes he has to prod us or motivate us or move us along. If you've recently become a part of Vibrant Church, I just want to tell you, you ought to just jump right in all fours, man. Get and Go to next. Find out what you're... Purpose. Find out where you can be a part. You can flange with the body here and be uh, put some roots down and and be a part of what God has called you to do. Get get in life groups, man. So the, the life change happens best in circles, not rows. And you can just sit and stare at the back of somebody's head, or you can get in a circle with some people and let life really take on fruit in your life. So uh, get just be a part in Jesus' name. That's important because God wants us to grow. He wants us to grow. And so I, I know you've just been up and down a little bit. I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time because I want to, I want to uh, just, if you will, everybody stand your feet. I want to share something with you that we've done at, our, at Christ Church for years. Sometimes I, I bring it back and, and do it again. So what I want you to do is just put your finger in the air and we're going to go do this. We're going to go wall to wall, wall to wall, people, all right? But we're not going to do it at that volume if you know where I'm going. We're going to shout it out. We're going to shout it out in faith. You know, in the Old Testament, the shout of the Lord told the enemy, we're coming. You better get ready. And they start stomping their feet and shouting to the Lord and blowing those trumpets, and the enemy went scattering. We're going to tell the enemy that's in, in, in this region, vibrant church is alive and well, and we're taking ground for the kingdom. Are you ready to help me do it? Everybody with your finger in the air. We're going to say, "Wall." Are you ready, one, two, three, wall to wall, wall to wall, people. That's, that's great. Give yourself a hand. That's really good. But that's about a fourth of what I know you got in you. So we're going to do it again. Everybody, come on, one more time. You ready? Full voice. Wall to wall, wall to wall, people. One more time. Wall to wall, wall to wall, People, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Why? Why, people? Because people in this region need to know the hope of Jesus Christ, the same hope that's transformed your life, your home, your marriage, change change your mind, change your future, change your status of salvation. They need to know. Houston needs to know of the goodness and greatness of God. And I want to talk to you about today how God disturbs us into greatness and the fifth chapter of Mark's gospel gives us an intriguing story for many of you is familiar but let me just briefly summarize it for you and then we'll read four verses from it Jesus and his disciples sent sail across the Sea of Galilee and they came to a town called Gadara and in this in this borough this village this this township there was a there was this man who was demon-possessed And he was bad off. He was in terrible condition. He was ruled completely by demons. As a matter of fact, they had tried to chain him, but he would break the chains. He lived in the tombs, and he would cut himself, and he'd scream all night long. All this echoing through the valley, this man screaming and taunting. Everybody terrified. The kids wake up with nightmares. I'm just imagining what it would be like to live in Gadara. And Jesus shows up on the shores of Gadara and this demonic force starts speaking to him, what what, what are you doing here? you come to torment me before my time? And Jesus says, come out of him. And a legion of demons came out of him. And a man who used to run around naked and cutting himself and and, uh, doing everything that the demonic spirits told him to do, all of a sudden is in his right mind and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed. And Jesus said, Come out of him. And when he did, those spirits went out into a herd of pigs that ran over the cliff. You remember the story? And they drowned in the sea. And when all the townspeople heard about it, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up. They came running to the scene. We'll pick up in Mark 5, 14. The herdsmen fled to the town near fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus. Imagine this. They began pleading with him to go away and to leave them alone. Uh, I'm sure that if we'd gone to Gadara a few weeks before this event, we would have found a contented little lakeside community that just kind of gotten settled in with this guy. We tried to do something about him. We tried to put him in chains. We tried to shut him up. Maybe they taped his mouth closed. I don't know. But now, as it was, they, they've, they just learned how to live beside the train track. They've learned to go to bed and know we're going to go to sleep hearing this guy scream. It's like if you live by the airport and planes taking off and coming in all night long, you just kind of get used to the noise of that. Yesterday everything was just fine, but today everything and everyone in the city limits of Gadara is in turmoil. And the reason is because Jesus has come to their town and has turned out to be a very disturbing visit. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't leave you the same way he found you? I mean, really, when I think about how the Lord found me, I thank God for the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm guessing all of you have been transformed by the power of God. I want to tell you, if you haven't been, today can be your day. Amen. 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 He's done a transformative work in our lives, and he's disturbing us to greatness. And I had the privilege of raising our kids in the same house for the greater part of their school school days when they were in elementary through high school. And the name of our the name of our street was Woodland Street. Okay, Uh, we're in the Woodlands, Texas, but we we were on Woodland Street, and it was full of tall oaks and and. Uh, you know, um, pecan trees and pine trees. It was just trees everywhere and things that live in trees were a part of our neighborhood. One time I'll never remember that a squirrel climbed down, I guess he got headed head first down the vent pipe in our bathroom. I'm standing there brushing my teeth in the in the in our in our bathroom and our bedroom, off our bedroom, our daughter Morgan came in, I wasn't paying attention, she did something over there and something, something, she walks out and I finished brushing my teeth, I hear something splashing in the commode. I'm thinking, what did that girl put in this commode? Well, I'm a scaredy cat, just to be honest with you, if there's a mouse, I'm on the chair, I'm on the table, I'm somewhere <laughs> getting away from it. I get this long, rigid, square, wooden uh, yardstick and I Gently lift the lid, and there's there's this black thing in that commode, man, and two eyes looking dead at me, y'all. I ran to the kitchen. I'm jumping up there. We got something in the commode. What we gonna do? Well, that that we we, we solved that problem. Thank God. And put a, some kind of net over the deal. Then, then one time there, there was, a, Trina and, and Morgan were doing uh, their nails in the in the bedroom. I'm in the living room doing this pastoral phone call. This woman's having marriage problems. She's pouring her heart out. I'm trying to console her, and all of a sudden, these two girls, my wife and our daughter, came screaming to the top of this blood curdling scream. There's a rat! There's a rat in the house! He's got a tail this long! Oh! I said, Oh, oh, hang on! They jump up in the middle of the dining room table. And I calmly dismissed the call. Sister, I'm going to have to call you back. I'm sorry. I got something going on here. She probably heard him screaming. So I get my trusted yardstick and my flashlight, (laughs) and I'm going searching, man. And I find that sucker under our bed, and he was about that They got a picture of it was a possum. Check this out. Can you imagine that thing in your house? Trina often said, baby, we lay in the bed trying to go to sleep, and she'd say, baby, something's in our attic. I said, like every macho man. I said, no, baby, that's just the wind blowing the bushes against the outside of the house. I did not want to go see what's in that attic, man. <laughs> then one day, we're just minding our business, and we hear this thud, boom, right there in the, in the air conditioning closet. I open the door, and four baby possums fall out. Man, we had possum problems, y'all. We finally found their inconspicuous access point and got that thing plugged and tossed some things out in the yard and got rid of them. And I I just, in in reference to this message, I think I heard them say, leave us alone. Don't disturb us. We like it here. We're cozy in your attic, man. It was terrible. It was terrible. Um, But we moved past that. And finally, uh, you know, there, there's, there's something to, to say about catching things roaming around your house that don't belong there. And so finally we, we pitched some, we, we uh, plugged their access point and we heard them saying, we don't want to be served. That's how the people in Gadara reacted. They were very comfortable in their lifestyle, but Jesus came and shook them out of their complacency and they begged him to leave saying, we don't want you here, please depart from us. I guess that's New Testament language. Go away from us. Please leave us. But That wasn't the only time something like that happened to Jesus. He'd been teaching in Jewish synagogues. And you can almost see the ladies in the synagogue nudging one another and whispering to each other. Isn't it wonderful that one of our hometown boys has become a rabbi? I just think that is so, and he's so well-read. And one said, he's a good-looking kid too, man. He's good-looking, isn't he? And the Bible says they were all speaking well of Jesus. They were all very comfortable in their normalized religious function. But one day he was in the synagogue of his hometown in Nazareth and he stood to read the wonderful passage of scripture from Isaiah where it says this in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, and to proclaim the captives will be released. Prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he shattered their composure by telling them that the Jews were not the only. Yes, they were chosen of God and God's chosen people, but that they weren't the only people who God had. Had longed for and who belonged to him, and they didn't want to hear that. So Jesus illustrated the point with two stories out of the New Te- out of the Old Testament. He said, "Remember when Elijah needed help and a widow helped him? Remember the story? Just feed me first, and and God's going to supply." That woman wasn't a Jewish woman; she was a she was a uh, she was a Gentile. And then one day Elijah Elisha. Uh, heal somebody from leprosy, a man by the name of Naaman. There were all kinds of people in, Jew- in, in the Jewish culture who had leprosy, but, but Elisha didn't pronounce healing on them. He went to a, a Syrian soldier and gave him healing. By that time, angry words were flying in the synagogue, and Jesus had come into their worship service, and he had challenged them at the very core of who they were as a people of God and, and invaded their comfort zone. And they put him out of the synagogue by force, intending to push him over the cliff, Mount Precipice. Trina and I have stood there uh, just outside of Nazareth where they wanted to push him over, but by the spirit he evaded them. But what they were saying was the same thing that Gadara said, we don't want you around here. Leave us alone. Jesus has been uprooting nations and societies and religious orders ever since. He's changed the course of human history. And is still doing that even today. So I have three questions for us. First of all, how does God disturb us today? Secondly, why does he disturb us? And thirdly, how will you respond to Jesus? So let's start with how does Jesus disturb us today? I think there are a number of ways he disturbs us. To stir our nest, to have—if uh, you would say it like that—challenge us in our complacency, otherwise make us uncomfortable. Maybe the first is first by just his very nature. You know, as long as I'm standing beside Trina or maybe even one of you, I can feel okay about my myself because I'm not so bad compared to everybody around me, right? I don't want to call anybody out, but I may not be that much to brag about, but compared to half of y'all, I might not be half bad. I'm kidding. All of y'all are just a notch above. I got a lot of faults. I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of issues. But you have as many, at least as many as I got. Come on, we're all in this together. We'll just have a little mutual admiration society and break our own arm trying to slap ourselves on the back. I got all these things. But probably you have too. So we don't seem too bad as long as we compare ourselves to one another. There's a verse in Second Corinthians that says that we are ignorant when we compare ourselves among ourselves and use each other as a measuring rod. That's, that's not wise at all. But when we look at Jesus and how he lived his life, his sinless life, we begin to, our, to see ourselves as we really are. I look in the mirror. I say, Tom, you're Okay. But when I look in the mirror of the word, oh, a different result and a different story. Remember the thief on the cross? He was a thief and a robber. He spent all his life saying, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it from you. But as long as he stayed in the company of other thieves, he felt pretty good. He might have said, as thieves go, I'm not that much of a bad character. I take care of my wife. I take care of my kids. Make sure they got shoes on their feet. Make sure they got lunch money for school. Uh, Come to think of it, compared to all these other thieves, I'm a pretty decent guy. And when you draw close to Jesus, something changes. Remember the thief on the cross next to Jesus, he said, I'm here because I deserve to be here. This man's done nothing wrong. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And when we draw close to the Lord, we begin to realize that we're sinners too and we need a savior. Listen, that can be a very disturbing realization in our lives. You linger long in the presence of the Lord, all of a sudden you begin to see yourself as you really are. And the glaring inconsistencies begin to stare you in the face, and the things that you want to skirt and hide and run from, all of a sudden they're brought front and center that God wants you to do something about it because he came to disturb us to greatness. You stay around the presence of the Lord, all your bad habits, your ugly attitudes, your your caustic remarks, your jealousy, your hatred, your prejudice, all your little acceptable church sins that we don't like to talk about. We're going to talk about adultery and drunkenness, but we never really want to talk too much about gossip because that might get up in my grill a little bit. All our glaring little acceptable sins become front and center and they must be dealt with. Even as a Christ follower, the presence of the Lord is a probing light and we give give him freedom to search all the shadowy corners of our lives that we give safe harbor to things that are unlike him. No, I don't care how many do not enter signs you hang on the door of your heart. If you say to Jesus, I'm everything, I, I want to be, be all in with you, then he's coming with his light. You might as well get ready. He's going to pinpoint some things. He's going to put his finger there. He's going to put his finger there. And sometimes he puts it in a little harder, and he presses on some things. So Jesus comes to jolt us out of our rut of complacency to show us that we're not okay the way we are. Come on now. The Scripture says this in Isaiah 64 and 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. There are changes that need to be made in all our lives. I'll, on this platform, say, first of all, I got changes that I need to allow the Holy Spirit to make in my life. We need the Holy Spirit to come and disturb us. A.W. Tozer, the great preacher of the last century, said this, it's so powerful. I see, If I see it right, the cross of popular evangelicalism is not the cross of the New Testament. It is, rather, a new bright ornament upon the bosom of a self-assured and carnal Christianity. The old cross slew men. The new cross entertains them. The old cross convicted. The new cross amuses. The old cross destroyed confidence in the flesh. The new cross encourages it. So we know how he disturbs us. Why does God Disturb us? Is, is it because God is some sadistic power who peers over the balcony of heaven and says, Hey, let's see if we can torment these little humanites a little bit? And so he'll send a little electric bolts of lightning and just boom, boom, <laughs> we got that one. She looks too comfortable, boom, the world explodes all around her. That family's doing too good, let's see if we can destroy it. Boom. No, is, is God like that? Absolutely not. That's not his heart for us. He, he's not cruel and vicious. No, he just comes to disturb us because he wants the very best for us. And he knows if we stay the same way we are, we're never going to reach his best for our lives. Anybody in the room today say amen to that. As long as we think we're good enough, we'll never become any better. As long as we think we're wise enough, we'll never become any wiser. As long as we think we've climbed far enough, we will cease climbing at all. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. When we become comfortable with our progress, we will cease to make any progress at all. That's why it fires me up to see all that God's doing here at Vibrant. It's amazing. I, I, we, we know about Vibrant. We, we're part of a ministerial network and groups together and Pastor Michael and Carmen, some of your team have been to our church in West Monroe for conference, but I I knew about y'all, but, boy, it does my heart good to get my feet on the ground here and see exactly all that God is doing. But I want to tell you, don't get settled. Don't get complacent. Don't get cemented where you are because, listen to me, we just did that wall-to-wall, wall-to-wall. People, trust me, they're coming, and somebody's going to be sitting where you sat last week. Somebody's going to be parking in your parking space. Somebody's going to be getting the coffee fist and again you got to make room and get out of your thinking to say God whatever you have for us we are ready to roll in Jesus name if I know anything about these leaders they're not these these leaders are are, are not comfort seeking leaders I've just been around them a couple of days man these people are workhorses. they work like Turks that may not be a good uh, analogy I'm sorry but They'll work their fingers raw. You're not looking for a place of ease and complacency. There's a world that needs Jesus outside these walls, and they're not going to find what the hope of the world until we get disturbed to go and tell them. To sit in a in a church like this, a beautiful place of worship with all the amenities, everything. There, there's a there's a There's a spirit of excellence on this house, and I celebrate that. I commend you, Pastor Michael, for promoting that in your culture here, excellence, so we could get real comfortable in our excellence in this nice place and let the world go to hell in a handbasket. It would be like sitting on a silo of grain while everybody around us is starved to death, clawing, hoping to get just a few morsels of bread, but we say, no, we're going to keep it right here because we're comfortable. God will never let that happen. Texas Houston specifically needs the hope that only Jesus can give. So Jesus comes. He won't let us leave. He won't leave us alone. He won't let us quit. Get up, he says. You can do better. Be wiser. Incline your hearts to wisdom. Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Get close to God. He'll get close to you. Climb higher. Reach further. Give deeper because there's more of God's glory to be revealed in you than you have ever imagined or dreamed. If that statement fits your life, put your hands together. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's a, Deuteronomy in, in, uh, a passage in Deuteronomy 32 that illustrates this process so well. A mother eagle watches over her eaglets. And every day she does what a mother eagle does. She feeds her babies. So the babies are in a nest high on the top of some tall tree or in a cleft of, of a rock somewhere. And there's it's, it's breakfast time, so the babies are there. Feed me, mama, feed me, mama, feed me, mama. Y'all got some kids? Y'all know what it's like. Feed me, mama, feed me, mama, feed me, mama. And the mother eagle just comes and drops something right in their mouth, and they're so satisfied. This huge nest, huge, eagle's nests are huge. And it's all built and comfortable and cozy, and it's, stuffed with, it's layered with soft stuff and feathers and straw and things that are, are make it just cozy. And one day, it's breakfast time. And the baby's like, feed me, mama, feed me, mama. And mama's eagle says, sorry, no breakfast today. What? You're a mama. You love us. We got to have. Nope. Today we fly. And so the mother eagle starts to take all the soft stuff out of the nest and all these prickly limbs and, and, and sticks. Now the baby eagle, ah, I can't sit out can't sit down anywhere, so the mother eagle just brings him right out to the edge and just gives a little push. And this baby eagle, as you can imagine, is just flailing its little wings and, oh, my goodness, I I, I didn't know it was going to end like this. I just wanted breakfast. I'm sorry, Mama. And just before he hits the rocks, the mother eagle swoops under, catches that baby eagle, brings it back up to the edge of the nest sets it there again. Okay, you did good that time. Here we go again. Listen, God disturbs our nest because he doesn't want us always pecking with the chickens. He's got something great for all of us individually. He wants us to soar on eagle's wings and catch those currents that lift us high. He wants every, I don't care how young in Jesus you are, there is a day where you're going to fly and soar and you're going to get up high in the lost, and you're going to catch those currents and you're going to be able to see like an eagle eye and you're going to see far and get the vision that God has for this house and for your family and for this community. And I know that God's got something great because you're not saying to God, hey, don't disturb us. Yeah. We like it like it is. Yeah. If there's anything that a pastor has to deal with or that I've had to deal with over the course of my years of ministry is some people get so locked in to like it is. We like it like it is. Don't add those lights or don't put a guitar. Or you know, you can go down the list. They did like always like the donuts. Nobody ever complained about the donuts, but everything else, (laughs) we're kind of human, aren't we? Uh, So she pushes the eaglets over the cliff, and God does much the same to us. He's a great disturber because he wants to reach out. He wants us to reach out and find the very best that life and eternity have to offer, and he wants us to see our potential for the kingdom of God. He's intent on our growth and maturity, and if we're called Christians, God expects us to fly. Which leads to the last question, how will you respond to Jesus? We do have a choice, you know. God will disturb us. His spirit will come to convict us of our sin or urge us to a fresh place of ministry. He'll burden our hearts with the needs of our community uh, or, you know, single moms or those who are incarcerated or addicted or alone or grief-stricken or lonely. He comes to disturb us and awaken us to the need of our own lives and to the lives of those who are all around us. And the question is, how will we respond? How will we respond to the call that God has on vibrant church? I planted right here in the city of Houston, the woodlands. Because outside these walls, there are desperate people who don't even know what they need. They've traveled down the dark lane of, uh, you know, uh, illicit drugs or, or illicit sex or uh, you know, they've, they've tried uh, to the, find uh, hope at the end of a bottle, and every time they get to the end of the lane, there's nothing but more misery, more misery, more misery. And there's hope in this house. Amen. The hope of Jesus is obvious and evident here. How will we respond? It's like an alarm clock. Once it goes off, you've got a decision to make. You can roll over, pull a pillow over your head, and go back to sleep, or you can get out of bed ready to face a new day with all its possibilities, And, and but the decision is yours to make. How will you respond? When it comes to serving Jesus, same thing. The Spirit of God will come stirring your nest. Sound alarm. You can, you, you can say no and go back to sleep. You can say, Lord, I am yours. Where you lead, I will follow every plan for my life. You already know it. I am just the, you're the potter. I'm the clay. It's not, you're the, you're, the, you're the master. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. It's not the other way around. I don't get to dictate to you, God, what I do with my life. My life is yours. I am hid with God in Christ. And whatever you say, that's what I'll do. Fill me with your spirit. Use me for your glory. It's your decision. How will you respond? We find an example in Scripture of different responses. God came with opportunity and blessing, and some said no and chose to ignore him. The people of Gadara said, go away, depart from us. We don't want anything to do with you. Another time, Jesus and his disciples came to a little town in Samaria, and the people there cursed them and mocked them. And James and John, they had a little nickname, Sons of Thunder. Don't jack with these guys. These are Sons of Thunder. And they said to Jesus about these people in Samaria, Lord, why don't don't we just call fire out of heaven and just make crispy critters, all the whole bunch of them. And Jesus said, hey, hey, you don't know what spirit's motivating that in you. It's wrong. But the Bible does say, but he left that town. And as far as we know, he never came back to them again. Others made a right decision and said, yes. Saul began by persecuting Christians, but he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And he became the great apostle of the New Testament, could stand triumphantly at the end of his life and say this in Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Jesus said on multiple occasions, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Listen, if you'll listen, you'll hear the alarm, alarm clock sounding in your life. You can turn it off and go back to sleep, comfortable in your complacency. Or you can say on this first Sunday of February 2023 at Vibrant Church, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. You lead, I'll follow. Use me as an an instrument in your hands. Mold me into whatever you want me to become. I'm not my own. There's a ministry with my name on it, a place of service that I'm challenged to embrace. Give me the courage, something I'm supposed to do. If I'll only say yes, I say yes to you. Come on, somebody shout yes. Yes. Come on, shout it louder, yes. Yes. See, God comes to disturb us, to shake us out of our rut, to awaken us from our deep sleep so that we can rise and possess the beauty of his calling on our lives. Jude 24 and 25. To him who is able to keep you from falling. He may disturb you out of your complacency. He may push you out of the nest. Get you out of your comfort zone. But he's able to keep you from falling to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. And maybe you're here in the room today and you just need to get healed up. I get that. Some people come in and you've been beat up by life you just need to come and sit and soak and get some healing going on in your world. Maybe some of you today just got some bad news yesterday, as early as last week, and you come in today with your life, feels like it's unspooling, out of control. You don't know how to stop it. You're like like that baby eaglet. You're you're free-falling, and there's nothing but rocks beneath. The Bible says the God of Jacob rides the wind in your help. Underneath are His everlasting arm. I want to tell you today, I don't care what your world looks like, there's a God who loves you, who cares about you, and who is able to secure you for His glory and to promote you in due time. But you got to let the alarm wake you up to say, Jesus, is this thing designed even? Did you allow that to come to awaken me, to turn my heart to the Lord? Someone strung a few words together. If you can only do what you can do, then you're only ever going to do what you can do. But if you start to do what you cannot do, you'll find you can do what you cannot do. And what you cannot do, absolutely cannot do, God will do, or a team of incredible people who are attracted to the person attempting to do what they cannot do, they will do. Don't imagine God will ever ask you to do what you can do. God's not going to do that. He asks you to do what you can't do, what you absolutely cannot do. That's why. Vibrant Church has a great vision, this whole rooted campaign. Listen, to look at it, it seems monumental. It seems out of your reach. It seems like something we we can't accomplish. But I want to tell you, what you cannot do, God will do through you. And he'll bring a team of people behind you and around you. He'll put the right people. He'll put the right heart. He'll put the right motivation. He'll fill people with generosity. He'll bring other. That's why we say wall to wall, wall to wall. Because we got a big vision. And we need a lot of people to help us carry the vision. Forward. He doesn't ask you to do what you can't do. He didn't ask you to do what you can do, he asks you to do what you can't do. Because if he asks you to do what you can't do, then you'll need him to do it. But you're the one who starts the impossible dream. No one, not even God, gets inspired by the mediocre. Attempt the impossible, ignore the critics, attract the best accomplish the unbelievable in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. God is with you. I speak the blessing of heaven over you get ready get ready to get disturbed a little bit move over make room scoot down don't have to sit on the aisle every time come on make room for somebody because God is going to populate this house with hungry souls and lost people who desperately need the love of Jesus Christ and he's going to use all of you to bring life and health and wholeness to them come on stand to your feet give the Lord another praise would you Jesus we bless you